I want to start by sharing a story. <coughs> Pardon me. You know, there's so many different types of trophies in the world of sports. There's the Stanley Cup for hockey. There's the uh, Vince Lombardi for football. And there's this new one. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called the Participation Trophy. Have you heard of this trophy? Yeah. Well, you know, when I was young, and I don't know if you were young in the 80s, you grew up in the 80s or the 70s, there were no participation trophies, were there? No, you had to earn it. In fact, things were so different in the 80s. When I grew up, I grew up playing baseball from, from the time I was four till about 12, and from Pintos to Broncos. I did the whole thing. And I remember doing batting practice, and Coach Tom, my, my, the batting coach, would be sitting on a bucket, tossing balls, and, hey, the, the power's in your hips, boy. Turn your hips. And he'd be drinking a Miller Lite. Do you remember that guy? How many of you remember that guy? How to coach Tom? Well, anyways, I did. This was the 80s. And at the end of every season, this is how different the 80s were. They would sit the whole league down in the infield, 200 kids, right? And this would be the front. And every single age division would be in the uh, infield. And uh, we would be sitting there, and they, they would be about to call the names of the all-star team. And every kid would just be waiting for their name to be called. And each year, my younger brother's name would be called. And then each year, my older brother's name would be called. And they would walk up to the front, and I would be sitting there. And each year, they never called my name. Not even a participation trophy, nothing. Um, and I remember walking back to the car with my mom, and I would be crying, and my brother would be skipping with my other brother, and like clapping hands. And then I get back to the car, and I just said, Mom, how come they didn't choose me? What's wrong with me? And she said, Ben, you just weren't good enough. You just weren't good enough. Those were the 80s. Those were the 80s. Um, today we're going to be looking at how Jesus chose his all-star team. But before we get into it, let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, each one of us has come with different needs this morning. Some of us have come with questions uh, that need answers today. Some of us need opportunities and some of us need miracles. Meet us individually this morning and give us a fresh word of life from you. And all God's people said, amen. Well, how many of us have ever gotten good advice from a friend? You got friends that give you good advice? Uh, something that really made an impact in your life? When I was a kid, actually when, when I was in my 20s, uh, the best piece of advice I ever received was from my grandpa, my grandpa Bud. He was in his 80s, I was in my 20s. And I called him and I said, Grandpa, I don't know what I should do. Should I be a minister? Should I be a movie star? Should I be a rock star? I want to be John Bon Jovi. That's how old I am. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my grandpa said, Ben, don't worry about that now. It's important, but make sure you have a grasp of that by the time you're 40 years old. Try to get settled in your career by then because most people make their biggest impact from their 40s to their 60s. That's pretty good, right? 
Grandpa Bud, that's good advice. Well, getting advice is super important, but if we want to live powerful and life change, uh, you know, changing the world around us, when making important decisions, we need to do things how Jesus did it. So we've been in a sermon series called How Jesus Did It. And I like what Pastor Jordan said last week about the kingdom of God. He said this, it's easy to find him, but it's hard to follow him. It's easy to find Jesus, but it's hard to follow Jesus. To get saved is easy. It's just a prayer away, right? But to follow him is hard. To be a powerful witness for Jesus, to live like him, requires everything of us. And in life, all of us have big decisions to make. Advice is great, but it's not enough. Advice is great, but it's not enough to make the big decisions we need to make in our lives. And maybe you have a big decision to make this morning. Uh, what college should I attend? What job should I pursue? Who should I date? Who should I marry? Do we have kids? How many? Where should we live? Do we rent? Do we buy? Can I afford it? Do I continue with my marriage or do I throw in the towel? Do I distance myself from a toxic relationship or do I give them another chance? Uh, do I need counseling? Where's Kwok? Yes, Kwok, you need counseling. You need, we all need counseling. We all need counseling. But today we're going to look at how Jesus chose the 12 apostles and what lessons we can glean from his example. At Blue Water, we don't just want to do things or do ministry or walk out the life of try the way we want to do it. We want to do it how Jesus did it because that's the best way we can become powerful individuals who display the kingdom of God to the world. When Jesus had to make a difficult decision, this is how he did it. So if you could turn your attention to the screen, we're going to be reading from Luke 6 this morning. All right. After Jesus, this is a little context. After Jesus had been baptized, um, his popularity began to explode because he was healing everybody in sight. People were talking about this rabbi who constantly talked about uh, grace and forgiveness, and he was hanging out with prostitutes and sinners. Uh, people throughout Israel began leaving their jobs and careers just to listen, watch, and learn who this man was. At this point, we're told over 5,000 people, probably close to 10,000, were following him around. In other words, things were getting serious. What started out as a small group is now becoming a movement. Do you guys get the picture? It was crazy. It was chaotic. It was amazing. And Jesus needed to set forth a leadership team. He called them his apostles or sent ones. And a lot was going to be riding on these guys. So let's begin reading in verse 12. Ready? Go. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. Simon, whom he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, 
Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Verse 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and all the people tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. His ministry was exploding, and he needed to make some big decisions. Here's how he did it. Ah, Just going to drink a sip of this real quick. Ah. So, ministry exploding. He needed to make big decisions. How did Jesus do it? Point one, he went to the mountain. So point one is this, go to the mountain. Verse 12 says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. How did Jesus make this tough decision? He went up to the mountain to pray. Uh, There are times in our lives when we need to go to the mountain. Maybe we're not choosing a team of apostles that are going to change the world, but maybe you have to decide if you should take that promotion or job, right? Or maybe you don't know how to deal with a family member who's been on drugs, or you're dealing with an aging mother or father, and you have to decide whether to put them into a nursing home or take care of them. These are big decisions we're all making. It's so important to get advice from our friends This is my favorite thing in the world, actually. This week, I went out to lunch with Alden. We spent four hours at Tim Ho Wan in Waikiki talking about our lives, getting advice. I love to make spreadsheets, pros and cons, all of these different things, right? Taking surveys, but when it really matters, what I need most is to hear God speak. Can I get an amen? Amen. That was was kind of an amen. But... I know some of you are super spiritual, okay, and love praying and fasting, but this is hard for the rest of us, including myself. Some people love to pray, like Pastor Antonio. He was just on stage. He was a pastor. He loves to pray. And I spoke with him about this topic earlier this week, and I asked him, what do you do, Pastor Antonio, when you need to hear God? And he said this. He said, Ben... I'm a bubble bath guy. I'm a bubble bath guy. I said, bubble bath? Tell me more. Tell me more. He said, I draw a hot bath. See, and then I pour in Mr. Bubble. You guys know Mr. Bubble. I light the candles. I turn off the lights. I turn on some Shania Twain. He loves Shania Twain. And I just bask in the presence of the Lord. That's Pastor Antonio. And I said, shucks, i got to try this. I love Shania Twain. In in this season, I've been up against some decisions in my life. How many of you are kind of in that place where you have to make a transition or some big choices? Raise your hand. About half of us, I'd say, okay? Well, this season, I've been in that place after COVID, spent a year by myself praying about what I should do. And that was not enough. I needed to get away and go to the mountain. So what did I do? I went to New York City. I flew to New York City. I love New York City. I, for me, every time I'm up against a hard decision, 
And things like, I'm talking about like career, like what you're going to do. When I went to a seminary, I flew to New York City before I went there. And I asked God, what should I do? And for some reason, maybe, maybe John Roberts can, I don't know, relate to this. But the art of New York City inspires me. Vern's shaking her head. I don't know why you're shaking your head. It's like an expensive mountain. I get it. I get it. But I fly there, and that's where God speaks to me. Um, sometimes you need to get away. Just get away so you can hear the Lord. So the question this morning is, where is your mountain? Where is your mountain? Where do you go to hear the Lord? I ran into Tony and uh, Karen this morning. They said they walk on the beach in the morning, right? Maybe it's a coffee shop, getting some time away from your kids so you can be alone with God. I know for mothers who are watching their children all the time, they can't afford to get, you know, they don't have the time to go to New York City, right? But you can carve out three hours if you plan it out two weeks in advance to go to a coffee shop and journal and let God speak to you. Maybe it's a hike. Evan does that with his son. Or maybe... Like Pastor Antonio, it's a bubble bath. But where is your mountain? In summary, there's times in our lives where A plus B doesn't equal C, and you need to get away to hear the Lord's voice. That's how Jesus did it. Some of you guys are facing circumstances like I am that require more than great advice, and we need to get away and go to a mountain, okay? Some of us already have gone through a lot and we're ready to throw in the towel on certain relationships and you've been at it for years. You need to go away and get to the mountain before you throw in the towel and make that decision. Because God might give you something, a perspective, a word, something that can change your mind and give you hope for one more season, one more try. All of us need a place where we can get away to hear God. Antonio's a bubble bath guy. I'm a journal guy, New York City guy. The point is get far away enough to get perspective from God. Where is your mountain? What do you need to run by the Lord? When Jesus needed his father's input, he went to the mountain. That's how he did it. Point two, God often makes interesting choices. Um, when you go to the mountain or spend time with God, God often makes interesting choices, right? Um, one thing we can learn from this passage is that God's choices for the apostles were very interesting. And when someone ever comes up to me and have you ever been in a conversation and you don't agree with what they're saying but you don't want to be rude, you say, hmm, interesting, interesting. That's a nice way of getting out of it, right? And in this passage, God pins the hope of the world on a bunch of fishermen, a thief, a tax collector, and all I can think is interesting. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look interesting this morning. Go ahead. You look interesting this morning. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you look more interesting than that last person this morning. Just joking. Uh, he chooses people, God chooses people that we often would never choose. 
Uh, if I was going to choose a, ch a team to change the world, I probably wouldn't have chosen those guys, those 12. I could imagine Jesus' face when he heard the Father say, Fishermen, that's the answer. I choose fishermen. All of, you know, four out of the 12, one-third are fishermen. But I probably would have started with a resume, right? If you were going to choose the 12, you probably would have started with a resume. So Peter, it would go something like this. This is the interview. Peter, captain, captain of the little boat, I heard you're applying for the CEO position of the apostles. Tell me about your CEO experience. And Peter would respond, I fish for tilapia in lake. So, so you, uh, you went, attended Lake Forest University is what you're saying? No, no, no. I fish for lake. I fish in lake for tilapia. I drop net to get fish. All I know is lake. And then God says, you're hired. That's, that's not, that's interesting to say the least. Or John, the teenager. Wow, you look a little young to be an apostle. You know, and Jesus uh, chooses the youngest to lead everyone else. It's, it's interesting to stay the least. And all of us feel a little unqualified to be on his team, if we were to be honest. Uh, no one has it all together. If there's one thing I learned about um, myself during the pandemic is that I don't have it together. I don't have it together. God, when you spend time with God, you just realize, oh my gosh, I have a problem. And um, no one here has it together. Even the staff of this church, I'm finding they don't have it together either. The more I get to know them, the more I'm worried. This is the last sermon I'm going to get to preach here, by the way. Uh, take, for example, our cakey pastor, Rolo. Rolo is very legit, very dependable, studious, well-spoken. Rolo is talented beyond belief. Everyone knows it. But even he has secrets, and he has a past. Or should I say a secret? Um, whilst his best friend, Jameson, shows his tattoos publicly, Rolo has one tattoo that's more discreet. And he showed it to me this past week, and all I can say is it involves a rainbow, a heart, and a dolphin. And all I can say is that's very inappropriate for a man, let alone a pastor, let alone a pastor. And uh, you know what, just in all honesty, you know, God has made interesting choices when it came to the apostles. God's made interesting choices when it comes to our staff right and God made an interesting choice when it comes to you I'm not just staring at you Vern it's just that you're sitting right here yeah and sometimes when you go to the mountain here's another point God may not give you the answer you want to hear right a plus B doesn't always equal C uh, God will make an interesting choice there as well so God chooses people that have tattoos he likes to use kids to reach adults like John. He uses weak people to lead the strong. But from his perspective, it all makes sense. What's interesting was, in the end, Peter was the right choice after all. He became the CEO or the lead apostle. He might have been born a fisherman, but he died the leader 
of the greatest, most powerful movement in world history. So we have hope. John became a great leader too, known for his courage and loyalty. The youngest of the 12 became the most trusted of the 12. And on the cross, Jesus chose him to care for the most sacred thing he'd leave behind, his mother. If we don't think God can use high schoolers to radically change the world, we need to look no further than John. Amen? God often makes interesting choices like us, and we can't see why, because we need to get his perspective, but we can't get that when we're at the bottom of the mountain. We need to go up to the mountain. And point three, the last point. God wants us to live from a prophetic center. God wants us to live from a prophetic center. And if you're not a Christian, you're saying, what does that mean? And if you're a Christian, you're saying, what does that mean? And Jordan's looking at me like, what does that mean? I'm going to explain what I think it means. You know what it means to live from a prophetic center? It means like this. There's two kinds of Christians that I've identified. And I've been both. The first Christian is the kind of Christian that lives just solely off of the wisdom that they've gained, the experiences that they've accumulated throughout their lives, and the knowledge that they hold. Everything is passed solely through this filter, right? The second type of Christian, which some of us are and we, some of us have been throughout our, our life, is this kind of Christian where we live from a prophetic center, meaning we go up to the mountain, we hear God speak, we get away, we go to the beach, we go to New York City, we pass things through God as our filter, and because of that, there's a supernatural element and power to the lives of these believers. Does that make sense? Right? And we don't just walk in our own perspective, we walk with God's perspective. There's a prophetic power to our lives. Um, is that good? Does that make sense? You know, that's what Jesus was doing when he went up to the mountain. I'm sure he had some people in mind, right? He, was, he probably had a list and he had eight of the 12. And then he said, you know what? I want this guy who went to this university. I want, you know, the ex-Pharisee, whatever. And God told them fishermen, thieves, you know, uh, kids. He went up there, and because of that, his team was the most powerful team you could have ever hoped for, right? So he wanted to live from that prophetic place, hearing the Father speak, not just relying on his own wisdom. Even Jesus needed to do this, to get away and spend time with God on the mountain. And have you guys ever met somebody who just walked in the power and the presence of God. How many of you know someone that's coming to your mind that, that is like this, okay? Um, it's probably because they've been up to the mountain. They've been spending time with God. I know that's true in my life, right? And someone that I can think that is a good example of this is my good buddy, Ross. My good buddy, Ross, was the worship pastor at the first ch church I attended, and he... He has a pretty good voice. 
he's like a B plus. Eunice and Sonia are like A's, right? But this guy is a B plus. And there's something else though. It's not about his voice when, when he leads worship. There's something powerful about it. So when you walk into the church and he's leading worship, sometimes people are crying. Sometimes people are on their knees. Sometimes people, you just feel this hope and the presence of the Lord and you get caught up into it. And it's that Sunday, even the most hardened heart kind of raises their hands. And that's usually me because I've been so, I've done this so much, you know. And so when he leads worship, I kind of, man, God is doing something here. And then I would follow him around when I was a kid and say, how do you choose a worship set, right? And he would be playing through the, at his house, playing through the set, choosing his songs. God would say this song, not this song. God would say, sing this chorus, not this chorus. That's what they did this morning, right? They had some sort of prophetic, you know, choruses that they were singing. And because of it, there was a power to what he was doing. There's also another way to choose a worship set. So I used to go on Google, <laughs> okay, and I would type in fast worship song, uh, CCLI Top 100. And then I'd say, oh my gosh, I love that song. That song's gonna kill. And then I would choose that, then I'd say, oh, that song's in G, the key of G. I'll choose another G song. And then I would choose one more slow song. This song, they love Shout to the Lord. If I sing Shout to the Lord, they will cry. But you know what? It's never as powerful when you do that sort of thing, okay? When I would choose a set and do what Ross did, there was a power element to it. My sense was, and your sense, when you walk into a place and you feel the presence of God, it's probably because that leader had been up to the mountain. And so I encourage us to go up to the mountain. Our lives will be filled with more power because we do it. And I want to close with this one last story. Actually, it's a video. Um, and it's from America's Got Talent. I was watching this a couple nights ago and it really spoke to me. And it's the story of an amazing young woman named Nightbird. And to me, it explains the most important reason we need to be living from that place of encounter. So let's watch the video. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're happy you are. What's your name? My name's Jane. When I sing, I go by Nightbird. Oh, that's nice. Nightbird? That's right. Uh, did you sing, do you sing for a living? Um, not, not recently. Where are you from? I'm from Zanesville, Ohio. Okay. How old are you? I'm 30. 30 years old. And the dream is to be a singer. What are you going to be singing for us tonight? I'm singing an original song called It's Okay. It's Okay. Yeah. It is. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. What is It's Okay about? Uh, it's Okay is the story of the last year of my life. All right. And who are you here with? I'm here by myself. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do for a living? Um, I have not been working for quite a few years. I've been dealing with cancer. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Can I, can I ask you a question? How are you now? Uh, 
last time I checked, I had some cancer in my lungs, my spine, and my liver. Wow. So you're not okay? Uh, well, not in every way, no. You got a beautiful smile and a beautiful glow, mm -hmm. and nobody would know. Thank you. It's important that uh, everyone knows I'm so much more than the bad things that yes. happen to me. Yes. All right. Sing for us. Good luck. Nightbird. to live life how Jesus lived the life, this video reminds me of the reason why. It's important to spend time with him and live from that place of power, right? The reason why it's important to do things how Jesus did it, instead of just out of our own strength, is because there are people in our lives, there are people in this room that are going through the hardest times in their lives as we sit here in this room. The world's answers and the science and all of the things and our wisdom 
have their limitations, but the good news is, is that God can do the impossible when we live in, in and from that place that comes with being with Him, right? In order to meet people in the depths of their despair, we have to go to the heights of the mountain. That way we can have the same power that Jesus did to do the same things that Jesus did. And the Bible says even greater things. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. I'm not there yet, you're not there yet, we're not there yet, but we need to begin to live from that place. Because people, like Nightbird, need us to be. They need us to be on point. And Blue Water Mission, we need to burn brighter. We need to burn with a fire that only comes when people have been with Jesus on the mountain. Let's live from that prophetic center. In summary, just to close, number one, where's your mountain? Where's the place you go to to find God? Find that place, carve out that time, and get away to be alone with God this week. Let him direct your steps. Let him give you his best advice so that you can make the best decision you need to make in your life. Number two, A plus B doesn't always equal C, right? You're an interesting choice, but you're the right choice. God doesn't always give us the answer we want to hear, but it's the best answer for us. And lastly, we need to live from that prophetic center because there's still work for us to do there are people that still need to find him and find out why they were born and that there's a father who loves them dearly will you pray with me this morning can you bow your heads and we'll ask God to move in this church and move in our lives